0: All, that, that's right. all you have to do is read the psukim at the end of last week's parasha, the parasha of Shemot and the beginning of the parasha of La-era. Uh Rashi will help us. But all you have to do is read. Right, so we're going to do that together. We're going to read the psukim and we're going to read the rashi and try to understand. Uh, the other parakel says, well, Parod says, to the Jews that you're just a bunch of sniveling weaklings and that's why you want to go out you just don't want you want a few days off you don't want to work that's that's go to work and I'm not going to give you any straw they were making bricks, and the bricks were made out of straw and mud somehow. I've never made a brick, but I think that's how they did it. Uh, but you get the same, you have to have the same number of bricks as you had before. Uh, but before, they didn't make the bricks, somebody else made the bricks. Whatever it is, it just remind yourself that Paro has already tried several different ways. Of doing in the Jewish people. First, he he made them work really hard, without the power. First that year, but, that, but before, and then that didn't work because as much as he oppressed them, they they increased. There were always more of them. And then the second thing he tried was Shifra Uppua. He said, "We've got to find uh, the Moshiach." the person who's gonna save the Jewish people and kill him. So Shifra and Pua, for some reason accepted the charge. You know they didn't tell Paro no. They said, okay, but then as you know, they didn't do it. They said they made up a story. Kilo Kanashim Hamitsriyota Ibriyot. They made up the story where they they said that they they kept running from house to house. Every the place they came was it was after the birth and since it was after the birth, they couldn't they couldn't do anything. The third thing that Pharaoh did was that he commanded all the people, in, all the Egyptians in the land, to kill the newborn babies, because as you remember, that the stagni, not um, the astrologers. What? Astrologers. Astrologers. Well, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're astrologers. I don't know who an astrologer is. So, uh, There's this woman on the radio in (laughs) Reshitzer on Friday morning who who they say is an astrologer. I mean, I can't imagine how anybody, how even Paro could pay much attention to to that. I guess I'm out of sync with something or other. So the astrologer said to Paro that the Moshiach, the one who is going to save the Jewish people, is being born today. So the only way to fight against this is to kill all of the newborn babies because we don't know whether the Moshiach is Jewish or Egyptian. Now you know, of course, that turned out to be absolutely true because when Moshe Rabbeinu grew up in the house of Pharaoh, I imagine that the people in the house of Pharaoh all thought he was an Egyptian. He looked like an Egyptian but he was also a Jew. That was the mistake that Pharaoh made. He thought it would be either or. There would be either be an Egyptian baby or a uh, or a Jewish baby, uh, and so they tried that, but that didn't work either because, as you know, Moshe Abenu was saved by Bat Paro, so the Moshiach got away. So that was the earlier plan of Paro was to get rid of the Moshiach. This is the latter plan of of Paro to get rid of the Jewish people or to get rid of their interest in redemption. And and in, in other words, if after Pyro thought himself, I guess, that if after the birth of the Moshiach things kept getting worse and worse, so the Jews would get it out of their heads that there that there was going to be redemption. Pyro didn't like the idea of redemption. Pyro didn't like the idea of redemption because it was wreak havoc with the whole system. It mean, wasn't only the Jews who were slaves. There were a lot of slaves in Egypt of different, group, of different groups. Right? So, uh, uh, they liked slaves. But if a group of slaves would get up one day and say, we're being redeemed, so we're leaving, that would not be good for the system. And therefore, uh, Pharaoh was able to say, to the south come, who like that this people will become uh, um, Will join up with our enemies. What do they mean? To join up with the enemies? The enemies want to do in the Egyptians, and these people are weakening the resolve of the Egyptian people. Right? You you, you, you understand? This was a real. It was a real thing. It wasn't that Melchadash came onto Mitzrayim and that the Melchadash had like different ideas. But I said I thought last week I, I, I last week we didn't have a shear, but we had a recording right which is amazing It's amazing that you can have a recording without a Shear. <laughs> but we had a recording and in the recording I I I, I said that the melech hadash ashalo yada yosef you see yosef yosef who who You know that Yosef, it was taken away from him. The Bechorah, the Malchut, everything was taken away from Yosef. And so I thought to myself that the reason for that is that Yosef was the one who was comfortable in the diaspora. And in the future of Jewish history, the Jews are not supposed to be comfortable in the diaspora. And the way they exhibit their lack of comfort is by saying that they're waiting to be redeemed. That's what you say in Shmona Esrei three times a day, every day of the year, except for the days of say But Esrei is more than three times uh, uh, a day. But the, the whole idea is uh, davening. Is they say, "Look, well, this is what I want. I want redemption. I want Jewish I want David Hamelah. That's what you say all all the time. Who didn't say that? Yosef. Yosef was very much at home with, an, with the Egyptians. So, when, as long as Yosef was in charge, it seemed to the Egyptians that redemption of the Jewish people was on the back burner, so to speak. But when Yosef died, it all came out again. There was no one to protect them. So they were interested in redemption they were interested in redemption. So the law came to Pharaoh and he said, I can't let this redemption take place. And since to uh, in the mind of Pharaoh, redemption was a technical matter. You needed a Moshiach. you needed a, a good timing, it had to happen. So he, he worked against the redemption because he thought that that would be very bad for, for Egypt. So finally, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Pasuk of the Yashav Moshe Hashem, and this is the amazing, the amazing thing. Here's Moshe Rabinu, Moshiach Yisrael, And he says, Lama Hariota Lamay to the God. He says, Why did you do this terrible thing to the people? Lama Hariota Lama ze Lama ze Sha If I can't produce redemption, even step by step redemption, something that would indicate to the people that that time has come. What exactly am I doing? Am I doing here? And then uh, the prophet says, I mean, it's quite an accusation that Moshe Rabbeinu is making. Against his shulichut, against his his, uh, uh, position, and against God. Since you sent me, since I have come, things have taken a turn for the worse. And that's not called redemption. That's not gu'ulah. That's not gu'ulah. That's something else. The opposite of gu'ulah. So here you have a kind of crisis of faith. A crisis of faith, but it's not just a crisis of faith, as, as, as God will explain, and Rashi will explain what God says, that the crisis of faith is not... I mean, it's, a real, it's a really a crisis of faith. It's about the promise of redemption. If God promises redemption, is there going to be redemption or not? You remember that this all started with Avraham Avinu. Right? Avram Revinu said, You remember that God promised Avram Abinu two things. Progeny, like you'll be a great nation, and Eretz Yisrael. About progeny, Avram uh, uh, didn't say a word. But about Eretz Yisrael, Avram Revinu said, How am I to be sure that I will inherit the land. Now, what kind of question is that? How could Avram Avinu say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, how could he answer that? But you go back in history, when Avram Avinu came to Eretz Kinnah, you remember there was a famine in the land, and Avram Avinu left. What do you mean he left? Why did he leave? Why did he like leave? There was a famine. But didn't God say that you will inherit the land and you'll live there and send him there and doesn't that mean that God would make it possible for Avram Avinu to live and not make it impossible? So that, that you have to understand that there was some doubt. There was some doubt in the minds of the greatest people, Avram Avinu and Moshe Rabbeinu, as to the meaning of a promise. When God promises that something will happen, Will it necessarily happen? So, guys, go back to Bamei Dakira Shena. What did abraham Ravidu say to God? What did abraham Avinu say to God? What if we don't deserve the land? What if my children don't live up to the standard? What happens if we, we have to be punished and are kicked out of the land? That's what Ad-Mavidu, uh uh said. Bamei Dakira Shena. After we get kicked out, and so when the famine came, when the famine came to Canaan. For Avraham Avinu, Avraham Avinu says, "Look, you know, maybe I there's nothing wrong with me. Maybe I'm not yet living up to the standard. Maybe God has decided that the inheritance of the land of Eretz Kanan does not yet begin. Does not yet begin. That's what makes people nervous about the situation in in Eretz Israel today. On the one hand, we're very grateful that Eretz Israel is ours again." On the other hand, we might be a little bit nervous about whether we deserve it long-term or not. I'm not talking about Satmar Hasidim, I'm talking about everybody. Everybody understands that that to get the bracha, everybody would agree, if you learn the Chumash to get the bracha of Eretz Yisrael, you have to somehow deserve that bracha. I mean, whatever the definition of deserve is, but somehow you have to deserve it and it's not clear it's not clear that the sum total of the people in Eretz Yisrael can claim that they deserve Eretz Yisrael so you remember the Rabban the Rabban when he discusses what he points out that Abraham Abinu brought his wife remember his wife Sarah and he told the king of, uh, of Egypt that she was his sister yes remember that story yes yeah. So no, in modern times it's been a kind of a different uh, uh, I know Spizer wrote this uh, well-known article about the wife-sister motif in the ancient, the ancient Near East by which he meant that there were wives who were called wives and there were wives who were called sisters and maybe Avram Avinu didn't lie but the Ramban thought that he did and the Ramban said about Avram Avinu that's what the Ramban says that he should never have said that it was his sister but he should have said straight out that it was his wife so you could say to the Ramban but I'm not being a philist, never. She thought they would kill them all if, if, if Haru knew it was his, that it was a sister she wasn't like you know a single woman available then that, that he might get a little excited about it why does the Ramban say it must be it must be that the Rambam thought that God, that Abu Mabin should have depended on God's promise that the, that he would be able to go back to Eretz Yisrael and live there. So, the next, I guess there's always this question, this question about where does depending, how much do I depend on the promise, and how much do I do on my own? How much do I try to live and not die as though that was a of competing value. although well, they're not always so easy to understand why that might be true. So that's what, that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying. He says, That was not part of the bargain. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be gu'ulah. And if the Yisrael is not worthy of gu'ulah, you know, so why did you send me? Why do I why have to come here? Just so that they should feel that they're not worthy of, of redemption. And what sort of shlichut, what sort of, of charge is that? Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu, Avram Rabbeinu says. So now let's look at the beginning of the parish of the Ere. That's this week's parish. So the Post says, Vayom Moshe, Yad Shachem Yad So that's the answer. The answer that God gives Moshe Rabbeinu is that what happened to B'nei Yisrael with the straw... And the, and, the, and the bricks is a fluctuation right and there are always fluctuations but the but the uh, uh, determined process has become has begun and that process is going to be Yad Chazakah right uh, uh, and the Yad will prove uh, that that the redemption is here. but then Akarishvah who talks turns to Moshe Rabbeinu Adni Hashem, a love Ad Hashem, and this is like you know, uh, you know, kind of a, a elliptical. Uh, sort of, Ad <laughs> yom Hashem and Moshe, God introduces Himself by saying Ad Hashem. So here Rashi really comes to our aid, and Rashi, uh, uh, let, let's read the. It's in the next pasuk. The next pasuk. So of the pasuk. Giml, right? Patsut Giml? No, V'yom E'laveni Hashem. You see Patsut Bet? Patsut Bet V'yom E'laveni Hashem. Five lines down. Ne'eman v'shalem shachar tov len mit Ani Hashem Rashi always explains as being Ne'eman. That's what God means when He says I am God. I am God, meaning there can be a fluctuation, but there can't be a change. Ne'eman. like right? the word Ne'eman means faithful. Faithful for whatever it is that God has promised. So it says, I did not send you here for no reason, you don't give the k'yein, but in order to establish, to make, to process the promise that I promised the avot That that you see in many psukim the use of the word hashem, the word hashem at the end of the process. comes. In fact, faithful will happen. We, there is no doubt. So he says it's, all, it's true in, in uh, punishment clauses and in mitzvah clauses. I quote the pasuk: That if you do that, if you do a you'll be punished. Ani Hashem means De'eman Liten Tacha Ani Hashem Dos Tsukim also means that you should not think no one should think that if you do something wrong but there's no way for for judgment for the for the uh, uh, system of judgment to judge you like the passage says Mibnei Seva Takum Hashem Aniyashet, right? You should get up for the old people. So so, so the the chat of the Pesach is, if you get on a bus, you know the bus? They run around in the city all the time. They're bus. You get on the bus and you sit down. And the old lady who's about 200 years old creeps onto the bus. And you sit there and you're looking, your are (laughs) Mishnayas. Like, like the last bit of Torah to be learned in the world is is being undertaken at that time and you don't get up and you don't get up so the puzzle says in heaven they know whether you were learning the science and didn't see the woman get on or you saw the woman but you liked deceit. seat so um uh, uh, in heaven they know that's what Adi Hashem Adi Hashem always comes in sukin where the avera is not so clearly definable in the, in, the, in the human language right you can't get a witness a witness can't say he can say he didn't get up but he can't say that he, did, he knew that the woman was there and didn't get up right that you can't say so that's Adi Hashem that's Adi Hashem Rashi well, points that out as well so now that's a, that's Niyashem so you understand that God has different names God has called different names the most popular names are El King and Yud Kay those are the popular names so if you if you uh, study Kabbalah you will understand and if you don't study Kabbalah I don't be wrong with understanding that the different names reflect different aspects of God. Not only different aspects of how God operates, but different aspects of, uh, of closeness to God, right? That Kel Shaddai means you see God doing things in the world. Now you see the earthquake, you see the tsunami. That's Kel Shaddai. But yud well, means up, you means uh, that, that you actually connect you connect to uh, to God. You speak to God. So speaking to God as you came is UK. more like you came back. So uh Rashi says Rashi's <laughs> Vayra El HaAvok Patzuk Gimel the Shadayif Ta'Pchim Ab Ta'Chosu U'Racholam Amarti V'hemani Kehel Shadayif U'Shmi Hashem Lo Nadati Lahem Shmi Hashem Lo Nadati V'hem. The word no Nadati, there are two words in Hebrew no dati is like it's like it's like uh, I it happened to me and ho dati is I I did it to him right to, to me and him it's a, it's a kind of problem that all of we showed him notice that this is a, a strange word lo no dati lahem it should be lo ho lahem I didn't tell them I didn't tell Avraham and Yisra and what my real name is. So what didn't I tell them? Rashi said this, <speaking in Hebrew> it's, not, it's not the word you would expect that it's written in the pasuk. <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> in other words they did not their awareness of God did not include this perfection that whatever God promises will in fact take place in other words when uh, God said to Abraham, you're going to be a great nation right but as you know he had one son I mean he had two sons but one of them is chucked out so he had one son and one son doesn't make you into a great nation right and that one son in turn, he also had one son, which I guess also doesn't make you into a great nation. It's still one. It's one in every generation. I woke up with Yakko. Yakko has 12 sons. Okay, 12 sons, a nice family, but it's not exactly a great nation. I mean, uh, it was uh, Pace, China, right? There are a few more people in China. So, the, what Rashi means is that the Avot received the promise. But they did not see the fulfilment of that promise. So that's what be Dati. And since they didn't see the fulfilment of the promise, they they could have been sceptical about what it means when God makes a promise. I mean maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen. Maybe it will be, maybe it won't be. Right? You 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 understand? Uh that that's what that's what Rashi says They did not become aware Of the profundity Of the divine promise Because it didn't happen It didn't happen in their days Right? Yaakov Avinu What does Rashi say? Bikesh La Shevet What does that mean? Bikesh La Shevet Bishalva Yaakov Avinu spent Much of his life outside of Eretz Israel. and what did he want to do at the end? he wanted to be in Eretz Israel. because Shalva that's called Shalva he's in the promise now, is, uh, we also call it they call it the, uh, in, uh, non-Jews call it the promised land what do you mean the promised land? it means it's not fulfilled that's what uh, the promised land is don't be so happy when those evangelicals talk about the promised land. Because they mean that it's promised. But it doesn't mean that they got it, that, you, that, it, that it happened. It means something else. So, so the avote knew about the promise, but did not know about the fulfillment of the promise. As we already said, that it's not clear what the fulfillment of the promise is or what it's dependent on it could be that the people just won't deserve the promise and its fulfillment. In which case, in which case, you could see that Moshe Rabbeinu would get angry or get annoyed at God for sending you. Look, if the Jews don't don't uh, deserve don't deserve uh, the fulfillment of the promise, so why send me? That's a kind of good question. That's a legitimate question. It wasn't arguing against whether God would do it or not to fulfill the promise or not God does whatever God does but what's Moshe Rabbeinu's role if the promise is not fulfilled that was his question uh, okay okay that's what, that's what he says Patsuk He says. He so here you have a, like a tricky pasuk. But, and God says, I heard the Israel crying out to me. B'riti. What is the score of the priest? What could that possibly mean? And I remember my covenant. Well, remember, God doesn't remember, forget. But you know that God promised Avram Abinu, God promised Avram Abinu that they would the sojourn in Egypt, as I heard somebody say, would be 400 years. But they'd be in Egypt 400 years. How long were they actually in e- Egypt? How long? 210. Redu. Reish Dalez 210 years. So hmm? So what happened? So why does Moshe, Moshe Arbedu come to complain to, to God and say, What do you do? Why do you think about out right. of The promise was. Four hundred years. Why well, think about it out of the two hundred and ten years? So God says, God says the kiyum habrit to 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 establish and follow the covenant includes changes. And if they Israel are willing to scream out to God, so they've learned a lesson. That has to be taken into consideration as well, even though God's word is absolute. And you know, the show try try to figure out how you can make 210 into 400, which is like a Jewish trait, easy <laughs> enough. But in fact, Veskorat That's <laughs> Veskorat Briti means a new beginning, a new start. I would say that. Veskorat would give it Noach. Remember Noach? I know, it's a few weeks ago, but remember Noach? So Noah was in a bar. And the Torah was uh, was floating around in a world of Tovago. There was nothing in the world. By Yiscah Noah. What does that? What does it mean? Uh, we we'll start over again. By not that he remembered and didn't forget. That doesn't seem to fit in with our notion of God. But by the word by is used as the beginning of things. That means. God decided that the covenant would be fulfilled now a new beginning ok not 400 years 210 years 210 years because because the Jews deserved it and that's what he says to Moshe Rabbeinu. he says how can you compare this business about the straw with the fact that we have that 210 years is all there is out of 400 God remembered God started over again so this is like sort of a little muzzer boy to Moshe Baby. the only thing you think about is the Teben is the straw but it's not only straw the fact that you're here means that the redemption is coming much earlier than it was promised to the promise to to uh, I yeah. so now so you know, you know, the Ramban says at the end of the parish above, next week, the end of the parish, the last Ramban, everybody should learn it, no one will because it's at the end. We'll get to the end of a parish. But maybe start from the end. You can try you could try that. That's a thought of our thoughts. The says, a lot of things happened in Yasyyad Mitzrayim, but one of them was that we learned that God is in charge of the world. how did we learn that? We learned that from Yasyyad Mitzrayim. That's why they were Makot. They were Makot, because in every confrontation between whatever power there might have been, Parol's power, the people's power, the Chassidim, the Tzadiniot, you know, that all those powers were beaten down in the course of Yitzya Mitzrayim by which indicates to us that God is in charge of the world. And the fact that God is in charge of the world means can only have happened. The Ramban, saying the Ramban, not arguing philosophy the Ramban said that could only have happened if God created the world and the only thing that would give God Baalut ownership of the world of the created world was that he created the world and that's why in Kiddush on Friday night we want to say we want to say it's Shabbos right that's what we want to say you no know? say hey it's Shabbos Friday night Friday night it's Shabbos right is that true <laughs> We want to say, we want to declare that it's Shabbos. In fact, the the halakha calls it a dut. We want to give a witness that it's Shabbos. How can we give a witness that it's Shabbos? We were not there when God created the world. To the best of my recollection. I mean, how how can I say that I know God created the world if I had not yet been created? I mean, you know, some people think in these terms... So the Ramban says, "Oh, it's easy, because you were there. Yitzia the and Yitzia the triumph proves that God is in charge. And God could only have been in charge if, if God created the the world. I mean, you couldn't be in charge if somebody else created the world, or some other power created the world. So it must be God is in charge. That you learned that from Yitzia the and that's why you say Zechel Yitzia the Tzray and the Kiddush on Friday night." Even though you know that Zechariah and Ezra has nothing to do with Shabbat, I think I think we could all agree. But with the Ramban's explanation, the Ramban's explanation it clarifies. It clarifies that we have to hold on to something. We have to be able to say something about the created world in order to have Shabbat. So what we say is Zechariah and Ezra. That's what we say about the world that was created. You see, God is in charge. If God is in charge, that means that God be in charge must have come from the the power of of creation. And that's what uh, that's what the Patsuk says. <laughs> the Patsuk says, <laughs> What is miyatati? What is it you're going to know? because the process of Yitzhi is mitzrayim. Right. And that when we drink, we drink four cups of wine and Pesa, Right? We say before the of Right? Not what we say, but say but. It's not just for the shonot of gula, but there are also four stages of gula. That's why we don't drink the four cups together. Right? The Gemara says, what if you drink four cups at the same time? Like you're in a hurry. No good. No good. You have, to, you have to be able to separate one cup from the other. We make black on the cups of wine, right? Which is definitely a separation, as though each cup of wine was a separate mitzvah. And therefore, retrospectively, we could say... Each lashon of Gula is a different aspect of the Gula. It doesn't happen, Gula. It's not just a, a kind of a breakdown of Gula, but it's a process, right? About safety, that's easy. That's the way it starts. You just run out of Eretz tribe. after the after the Makat Be salty, be salty. That's you know when the Egyptians come running after you, right? You know, the ga'alti, right? you know, The ga'alti. Has nothing to do with Yitsiya and Atsama. It had to do with being in a different place, and that's Matantara. And the Lakati has to do with building the Mishkan. Probably, we will talk about that in the future. So that's what the pasuk says. Veveki betalti Lakati. Okay. Now we're up to we're up to pasuk tet. I mean, we don't, have, we don't know exactly what uh, Moshe said to B'nai Yisrael. It's like if I had to summarize what God told Moshe Rabbeinu, God told Moshe Rabbeinu, Don't have any doubt. Don't have any doubt about what's going to be. It's going to be the way I told you and I sent you and but it's not clear that that was enough for Moshe Rabbeinu's message to the Negev Israelites. It's not clear. Pesuk <coughs> uh, tet again. Pesuk tet. Tet? No, tet in the in the chumash. the very Moshe King of the Negev Israel. In other words, what do you mean? Lo shamu mikotzeru. I would say, I would say that Moshe Abed is telling their philosophy, or theology, if you like that word better. And they're like, if you can't be better, how to get the straw for the bricks. So this is called a lack of communication. Moshe Amul Moshe. They would say what Moshe Abed is talking about. Right? And you can't just, you know... I mean, you're not going to do philosophy while you're sweating on the, on the bricks. It just doesn't make sense. They didn't see this as being as being something that that, that helped them. They, they didn't feel good about themselves. Rashi spent why it's called in Hebrew, culture war. You should always close yourself up. You see, this is called some Silphalanda. Silphalanda used to come to the Shira all the time until he got married. Oh, I don't we well, yeah, so he moved to marriage. Well, here, see, he moved to stick or something but the reason I mentioned it is because he told to tell me that he had a baby girl. So we all wish him Mazel Tov. Tell take the <laughs> <laughs> right. We all wish him Mazel Tov, even by oh, your oh, name Mazel, mazel Tov. <laughs> you see that? You see that? <laughs> so you see, good things happen all the time. You don't even let the years do anything. Good things happen. But? Sheep, yeah. but He used to be very active and fast the sheep. Right, right, right. He <laughs> so he really but he moved to for <laughs> now and abandoned us. Yeah. So that's what Rashi says. Rashi says, you know, kotzeruch is a kind of a phrase, a Hebrew phrase. Uh, right? Karog v'inyazeh shamati parashah rabbi baruch for Rabbi Eliezer. nonetheless, is one of the Rebbeim of Rashi. Right? the lived at the same time. We'll skip this because he sees a pasuk in, in Yemiyao that says something similar. And then, we want to get, but we want to get quickly to uh, the Gam Hakimoti. You see Pasuk Teth again, if you look again, it's pasuk. Uh, pasuk uh, the pasuk. The pasuk Yud. The Gam Hakimoti. Where does it say the Gam Hakimoti? What pasuk? Dali. Right. You see the Pasuk? So you see that Rashi, a very strange thing in, this, in, in the printed version of Rashi, Rashi starts over again. In other words, he's already explained Pasuk Chet. And now he goes back to Pasuk Dalit, And he gives another interpretation. And that's what we are very interested in. Abraham Abram wanted to bury Sarah in his country, in the country that God had given him. But he couldn't find a place, and he had to buy a kever from Ephron Hachiti in order to. It doesn't. In other words, by buying the kever from Ephron Hachiti, obviously, that protected him. It was Abraham because you know we have a lot of, uh, there are a few stones here and there in Israel. And there were probably a few stones around when Abraham Avinu uh, had to bury uh, Sarah, but he didn't want to bury her in a place that was extra, that anybody could come in and take apart. He wanted to bury her in a place that was safe. The only way that Abraham could find a safe place to bury his wife was to buy land from the recognized owner of the land. Because then everybody else would understand that it now tra- the land passed on to the uh, to the to, to the jurisdiction of Avram Avinu, and no one would bother it. Oh, no one bothered it much. So Avram Avinu had to buy land from Ephraim Akshiti, land that he owned by divine fiat, and and, and bury his wife there. So Avram Avinu could have said, well, how have the promise of Eretz Yisrael is not working." That's Avram Avinu, right? And then uh, Yitzchak he dug wells to be able to give uh, uh, to sustain his flocks and they came the Philistines and others they came and they said you know who who, who allowed you to dig these wells and they closed them up they closed up the wells that was Yitzchak and then Yaakov he came he had to buy property in order to set up a home in Eretz, in Eretz Yisra'el. And none of them, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, none of them said, what happened to the promise? Why did God do this to me? How come it's not happening? Nobody said, lo, heru, midotai, means they didn't have second thoughts about the divine promise. They believed absolutely in that divine in that divine promise. Uh, one second. I've lost the here. Here, here. And you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you said lama hare ma'am Right at the end of Parashat Shemot. And so, uh, Rashi then says Ain't a mit yashev Achar mikra says this medrash doesn't really make sense. This medrash doesn't really make sense. If mekamet varit, there are several reasons that I don't like this interpretation. Achat shalone emar ushmi hashem lo shaaluli, but they said v'im toma lohar od yam shekach shemo harei tchila she nigla Abraham vena betarim neema. So this idea that there's a distinction between yud K. and Gel Shaddai doesn't sit so well. Doesn't sit so well with Rashi. In other words, you have to go back to Lameh to Lama Zhe, the end of the previous parasha. He doesn't like that. He likes a flow, a simple flow of the Pasuk. And then, the next sentence in Rashi, l'chein ani omer, al al I think that the Pesukim have to be understood in the order in which they appear. And you can also say a droshev, but you have to be able to distinguish between shat, and drash, this is like you know they call it a seminal rash, but it doesn't mean we understand it exactly. <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in other words, uh, <coughs> there are many different ways of learning the suti. But only, there's only one Pshat. That was Rashi's, Rashi's thinking on the matter. There's only one thing, one interpretation we call Pshat. So what are the two interpretations that Rashi is talking about? The first interpretation, the first is this in Patut Imah. You see, V'raq el die. If shadai. lahem <laughs> shadai. Ushmi Hashem lo dati lahem. Right, Rashi? Pasut Gimu? Lo ho dati. Hey, Khan. E no dati. Lo dati means lo mi lahem bebi amitut shemli. Shaler di Hashem. It was lo dati lahem. In other words, does the Doda say that for the the Abbot, the expectation was lower? it was if God had promised to Avraham Yitzchak Abraham, and Yaakov that they would get Eretz Yisrael Bishmi Hashem Yud then there then that would be an absolute promise but since the promise was based on the what name of God came Shaddai so the expectation was lower and therefore there was no reason for the Yavos to think that, that they weren't getting what they deserved because the full promise had not yet been made that full promise has only been made according to Rashi, according to Rashi now, at the time of Yitzhiat, at the time of the So, there is a word in Hebrew which is a very popular word. A very popular word is bitachem, to be distinguished from bitachem, which means something else. Right? Bitachem means you trust in God. And bitachon means you trust in yourself, right? which is a, 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 a stark distinction. Not that it's a bad thing, it's just different. And you have to remember that. So the Chazanish, when they asked him, what is bitachon? Do you remember bitachon? Bitachon is when you know that God is in charge. It may not look like God is in charge. It may not feel like God is in charge. But God is in charge and that's called Bitoch. Am Israel, went through the process of slavery in Mitzrayim and redemption from uh, Mitzrayim in order to learn this one uh, one thing. That, that God is ultimately that has a plan. That God has a plan for the world. Look at the Rambam at the end of the Zolot The Rambam says, eventually, it will all straighten out. Eventually, there will be a Mashiach. The Rambam doesn't mean somebody who flaps his wings or anything of that kind. But somebody, a leader. A great leader who will put things in order, directed by God. That's what That's what the Rambam that's what the Rambam thinks about the Mashiach. So, home enables Am Yisrael to be Am Yisrael. And as we've mentioned before, and tonight, we mentioned tonight, that throughout our history, throughout our history, we have to say, what did it? How come Am Yisrael is still around? Well, the Greeks are not around, and the Egyptians are not around, and the Romans are not around, and the Persians also not really around maybe they are I don't, I don't know uh, but the Egyptians are not around and the, uh, and the Greeks and the Romans they're all not around they, they're, they're something else they're in their in their place all these nations who've had the world under their control they're all gone. and I'm Israel that's never had since the exiles since before the exiles since the first exile, right? There was no malchut of any kind in Yisrael. We were never in charge of anything. And we're still around. So, I mean, you could say it in a more humorous way that we learned to sneak around things, you know. Never to be in the wrong place. Not, never, we were in the wrong place many times. But more or less, we managed to sneak around. But, but I would say... I would say that, that if you want to attribute our sus- ability to sustain history it has something to do with the belief that God is in charge of the world and even though as uh, you know, Fiddler on the Roof has indicated it doesn't always seem that justice is being done Nevertheless, in an ultimate sense, we always know that God is in charge and that you could turn to God. I mean, that's what uh, uh, the ideology of the Jewish people was. As ridiculous as it seemed at the time, really it seemed at the time, we kept saying we are going back there in Israel, right? I mean, no one was going. No one was moving anywhere. But everybody believed it. Everybody knew that it was going to happen in some way. And that seems to be an effective thing in history. At least it was effective for us. It worked for us. We're still around. We're still davening. We still, you know, get up and then daven and You know, this is like a remarkable thing. That, uh, and, 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 you know, it strange as the minhagim of different kinds of Jews are, you know, they eat one kind of food and they eat a different kind of food and they talk this way and we talk that way and, you know, but when it comes to daven mincha, you can all daven together. The variations in the text of mincha between Ashkenazi, and Nusach Svad and Adota Mizraha are, are minuscule. They're totally irrelevant. They're irrelevant to my, to my davening with a community that I don't belong to, which is certainly a, a miraculous thing. You know, I'm Yisrael... Like if you, if you find yourself in the middle of nowhere and you go to a shul in the middle of nowhere and you hear Kriyat Torah, you've fulfilled your obligation. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So that, that's a remarkable factor of Jewish history. So here the Jews are trying to learn that you can complain all you want but you can't say that the promise will not be fulfilled. And that was the lesson that had to be learned in order for Ami Israel to go to Eretz Israel, because they were going to be punished and they were going to be exiled. But somehow they had to have in their heads this idea that the exile was not final, but that the promise was final. So that even though many things can happen along the way to kind of dissuade you from... Uh, uh, for thinking that you've already made it, that it's already finished, that it's all over. And nevertheless, you know that ultimately there is an answer. And if you, you look at the Rambam, Hills the last paragraph in the Rambam who the Rambam is absolutely certain about it: that everything will be as it should have been the first time around. It wasn't okay, but the promise is never abrogated. The problem is never abrogated. Punishment is temporary. Punishment is ultimate. Have a good Shabbos.